1 Corinthians warned you about the women with a loud mouth, and this podcast is just that. Here at the Speaking in Church podcast, we talk all about the regular people and the things that regularly happen to them in the evangelical church. It's a podcast about change. It's a podcast about seeking moral high ground. And it's a podcast for people who are just trying to deconstruct on the safe side. You can listen wherever you get your podcast, And if you want to be a guest, yes, you, regular person, you can be a guest on the Speaking in Church podcast. If you want to come on, just let us know. Hi, friends, and welcome to another episode of RevCovery. Today, we have another special guest from the Discord channel from what we call the RevCovery Room, a place where our Patreon supporters gather to just really have community. And we have discovered um, over the last year that the folks, well, more than a year, the folks in this RevCovery Room often have the stories that are the most compelling and helpful and healing. And so today is no different. We are joined by Kyle Cottle, who is a fantastic musician, and I hope you will take the time to check out his work. But not only is he a musician, he is someone who served in the church for a very long time and in lots of different ways. I think you'll find this conversation inspiring and helpful, and maybe it'll just sort of remind you that um, in order for us to really hear things, sometimes we have to get quiet. So I am grateful for this conversation, and with no further ado, here it is, our conversation with Kyle. Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of Rev Covery. I'm one of the hosts, Sarah, and this is my other co-host, Justin, who always pauses, always. I, I tried to get in there quickly this time. <laughs> we have a podcast here about leaving ministry, life in ministry, changing how you do ministry, changing your career, changing your life trajectory, whatever it is. This is the Rev Covery Room, and we're so glad that you've joined us. This is getting towards the end of our third season. In fact, this is our last show technically. So we are so mm. excited. We've been hosting folks from one of our dreams that Justin and I had was to create a community around this because as great as we think the other one is, we know there's lots of people uh, who, who this is a special thing for, something that they've gone through that feels unique. And so we are glad to create a community around that. And we know that you guys are able to support each other. And so out of that came this amazing community on Discord known as the Recovery Room. And more and more, we heard incredible stories that we just felt like would be helpful for other people to hear because we know that our stories are not the only stories of what it looks like to leave this career. So as part of that, we are really glad to welcome Kyle today from the recovery room. Kyle, it is so great to have you here. You are our, you might be, there's like three musicians on there that have like released albums. And I'm just going to say this at the beginning because I think this is important. Do you know how nice it is that I don't have to lie about how good your music is? The, the, the albums that I've heard from our Discord people are really good. And that wasn't the case yes. in church work mm. <laughs> where I had to be like, yeah. oh, but you guys are actually really good. So it was wonderful to have you on. Kyle, you know the question we ask, how long and in what capacity did you serve? Okay, so I think it was like uh, 16 or so years, maybe 16, 17. I started in 2006 officially, I think. And then left. Gosh, was that that long ago? Okay. And in what capacities did you serve? So I've done, I don't know, I wouldn't say I've done more than everyone in our Discord community, but I've done about every role that can be done uh, within a church. (laughs) 
when I left one church, they gave me the like this certificate for other duties as assigned because I did a little <laughs> bit of like, I mean, I'm seriously like my title, uh, my ministry title changed four times in four years. So oh like my, like it was, it was a crazy time. We make, we make it into that a little bit later. Um, I still survived a little bit of ministry after that crazy season, but, uh, but yeah, so I've done youth ministry. Um, that's where I started right after undergrad in uh, 2006. That's yeah, usually the, um, yeah, beginning the stepping drug, stone, the right? Yeah, drug. it's the, it's yeah. the stepping the stone. The on-ramp. The on-ramp. It is. If you, can, it is. if you can do that, you can do anything. They say, yeah, I, well, I, you know, I, I actually love youth ministry and, oh, we, even, that's the case with yeah, Justin and I, yeah. it was our favorite so thing. It was so I, good. And, and I sometimes think I would probably stay in ministry longer if I had to just stayed with youth ministry in a way, just because I liked it and I have a good temperament for it. Not as extreme as the, the youth pastors I grew up with, you know, in the late nineties and that kind of thing. The but, late nineties youth yeah. ministry was yeah, all was, about was the like, off the it, chain. Was... it was like the jackass of ministry. Oh, <laughs> it no, really yes. was. No. I, yeah, like there were, I have so many crazy stories from 90s oh, youth yeah. group that, that are like, I feel illegal, maybe. Yeah, probably. Certainly not, certainly code violations. The games we played, the, the all-nighters that ruined our circadian rhythms, oh, yeah. the like awkward things we made awkward kids say to each other, like, yep, 90s youth yeah. group. It was pretty yeah. extreme. And then we like yeah. tried to get a little bit into our feelings, which I think was probably yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, so... Um, yeah. So kind of early on, like I just knew like temperament wise, I was not going to pull that off. And which is probably a good thing culturally, you know, uh, a few years later would not have went well. Some of the things uh, that went, that went, uh, that were acceptable, I guess, uh, in, yes. the, in the late nineties kind of, I had one guy in divinity school called it Mountain Dew youth ministry or something like that, you know? It yeah. kind of went, it was High literally caffeine. like if Jackass Extreme and games Bible, so Jackass was like in the movie, if, yeah. If the X Games. X Games meets like, kind of like a Big Brother TV show where everyone's locked together. That's That was youth ministry of the 90s. Yeah, for sure. And so yeah. I loved it so much that I was like, hey, I'm going to go into youth ministry after undergrad. Uh, I had studied religious studies at a state school, UNCG in Greensboro, and did I not- know UNC Greensboro. Hey, well, that's good. Um, Great time. I uh, studied with mostly like agnostic Jewish professors, which expanded my faith a lot after growing up. Oh, sure. SBC and independent Baptist and those kind of things. But yeah, so I was in it for started 06 youth ministry. I was at that church for about three and a half years. And then at, at, during that time, we also started an emergent cohort, you know, I don't know if you guys were ever part of one of those. Oh, but yeah. you have to have been in a virgin cohort. Yeah there's, so, just, yeah, there's no way. So here's how the stepping stone yeah. goes. Youth ministry, emergent cohort group. That turns mm-hmm. into, hey, let's plant an emergent church. So some of the people yes. in my, we were like a very traditional downtown kind of first Baptist con- uh, congregation. So very, very great church in a lot of, a lot of ways, but very traditional, you know. So some of the folks from my denomination and which is uh, cooperative Baptist uh, for if that matters to anyone. But um, <laughs> we, some of the folks from the denomination in our state lived in the city. And so we started a very grassroots kind of decentralized leadership structure, emergent church. And that went for, did, I did that some while I was in divinity school. And then a little bit after I finished in 2011 and never got paid a dime and our church never grew past maybe 10 or 12 people. So, you know, it's kind of one of those things. And after that, 
I was kind of, I had, I had finished divinity school and I was just like, you know, I can't do this. I got to get a job in ministry, right? We always want to get a job when we get out. So actually ended up after a year, like I was baking at this local coffee shop. Like I was a baker. Oh my gosh. I yeah, love so that. I was like, I was like playing music a lot in, you know, while I was in divinity school and working in youth ministry and stuff, I'd play music out till two in the morning and I'd come back on Sunday and do the youth ministry thing. So yeah, so I was out for a year, finished divinity school in 2011. And where'd you go? I went to Wake Forest Divinity in Winston-Salem. Yeah, so. Oh, uh, yeah, you a, did. That's there, trip school. There trip is fuller. another divinity school in the state of North Carolina. That's really good. Trip Fuller <laughs> likes to remind me on a regular <laughs> yeah. basis. Yeah, for sure. Demon Deacons. Yeah, that's right. So yeah, finished up and I had applied all over places, interviewed, just nothing was happening, you know, and I, I was, I was a baker at this local coffee shop. Uh, did that for a few months and then I got let go. <laughs> so, oh no. Yeah. It was, uh, oh. yeah. So, so that was kind of like, well, what am I going to do now? So, uh, I have got a yeah. master's degree. Yeah. I just got let go from a bakery. I, Perfect. I love how they were gladly, they gladly take your money to give you that master's degree. Sure. But mm. knowing that there's very little job prospects for you. Well, and, and if you go somewhere like Wake or Duke, you know, then finding a church that semi aligns kind of with what you've like learned and kind of mm-hmm. your disposition. So, so that's kind of, you know, that's, that's its own challenge, I guess, in looking, but then you realize no matter what denomination it is, it's kind of like a good old boys network, you know? And so that's, you know, that's kind of how those things work and you can kind of use it to your advantage when it works. And then if it doesn't, you know, uh, but I, you know, weirdly enough, I ended up at the same church that I started youth ministry at, like after a year out of uh, divinity school. And so 2012, I started at this downtown Baptist church. I had met with the pastor and he said, you know, I was telling him and kind of was looking around and he's like, well, we just had our um, administrative pastor leave. So that tells you a little bit about the church. It has an administrator, you know? Uh, And Mm -hmm. so I was like, well, I've never really done that, but you know, he's like, well, we can maybe create this thing that's like part church administration, part spiritual formation, part youth ministry. And yeah, then we'll there. Call, yeah, yeah, and we'll call you uh-huh. other duties as assigned. And other yeah, duties yeah, as exactly. assigned. There you go. That, so that, <laughs> that would yep. minister um, of other duties. For those of you who have never worked in ministry, there is this little clause at the end of most ministry applications that say, and other duties as assigned that are not yeah, on I, other my applications. Last or- my last job, I was the youth pastor. I was in charge of first impressions. I was tech support for everyone. I like, I mean, just kind of name it. Like I probably had a hand in it somewhere. <laughs> Somehow I ended up coordinating the nursery for a couple of weeks. Oh I, yeah. Kyle, did you do children's ministry at any point? You know, we had a, uh, like a children's center, like a daycare at the church and so I'd lead mm. chapel, you know play some songs, play like VeggieTales songs. Yeah, you did. <laughs> yeah, you did. But yeah. it, was, it was it was a lot of fun. I love that. Yeah, I once had like this three-year-old come up to me during chapel and it's like, are you done yet? And I was like, I haven't even touched my guitar yet. So yeah, I, I love children for that. Uh, they're just, they just say whatever. <laughs> honesty. Yeah, I just love it. Are like, you I done yet? Say, yeah. Are you done yet? Uh, and what I you saying, so. Sarah? No, so your job was, we cut you off because we were laughing too hard. So it started like... It was like interim minister of congregational life or something like that. 
And then it became minister of congregational life. Then it became minister for spiritual formation. I don't formation. even know it's... Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can we just for a minute, just just for a brief second here, talk about spiritual formation and how that word, those words together, I don't know what they mean. I feel like they, they get like, as a job description, I've, I've been asked to be director of spiritual formation of things before. And I'm like, is it that I lead the Bible studies? Am I doing spiritual direction with people? Am I doing curriculum? Sometimes it was doing curriculum. Sometimes it was preaching. Did it, does anyone know what it means? Am I the only one yeah, that like thought it was just I a was, vague, huge thing? I was a discipleship pastor for a hot minute and it's vague. And I think what they really wanted was a glorified Sunday school superintendent. Oh. Um, and when I was like, hey, let's actually count the number of people in these programs. And it was like less than 5% of the church. It's a, it's a big church. They were, they were upset when I was like you're delivering bad news. Like, hey, um, people don't come to our things. <laughs> We had, so we actually had a Sunday school desk, like at, at this church, like, and you know, yeah. ever, all the Sunday school teachers show up there and like, I'm loosely related to it as spiritual formation. It's, it's kind of like an, I, I see it as like an updated title to what used to be Christian education. And, and it sounds like you do, it's pretty much, they, they took the job description and then just X'd out Christian education and then put rebranded, you know, uh, that's Which would be take. cool. Cause. Yeah, because I think like children's ministry and youth ministry really ne needs to not be seen as just like a, a Sunday school thing, or it really is spiritual formation. It's the, you know, I joke around about, I don't know, I do know what spiritual formation is trying to do. And I think it's a, it, I think what people were trying to do in the early aughts was uh, trying to, I think, say something a little more holistic about yeah. development of children yeah, beyond sure. just like, we're going to teach you these Bibles stories that aren't maybe the actual Bible stories, but they are the watered down versions, or we're going to babysit you for an hour a week and hope that that rubs off on you. It kind of tick, what does a family include? What is, you know, uh, beyond just, yeah, story time and things like that. I think yeah. that's what the attempt was and to do spiritual practices with children. Well, for sure. Cool. Like, and, and like looking back, like, I think as far as like, those of us in ministry or like in leadership within the church, like we kind of understood what spiritual formation mm. was, but it sounds so vague. I, I don't really think the congregation really like, what is that? You know? So there probably needed to be a little more education uh, about spiritual formation on that. But yeah, it was yeah. Like, but and even like, you remember, probably remember books like contemplative youth ministry and things like that. Like yeah. we were, you know, we were trying to introduce some of that, you know, in the aughts, I guess, um, to, interesting results. I, I was always surprised at how receptive youth were to silence and practices and things like that. Um, oh, I think that's yeah. incredible. I, yeah. um, Kendra Casey Dean, was that her name? Yeah. 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 Um, her work around seeing, yeah. yeah, she was really the one who decided like, Hey, let's not just like eat a lot of spaghetti and talk about why porn isn't good. You know, there was also like, Hey, uh, let's talk about what it means to silence our bodies. A little bit more embodiment, to yes. be honest. Yeah. Because I think about a lot of the things we were doing was really like trying to be the fun person. Like, oh, I'm mm -hmm. going to take you on this to this concert and do. And I did that in youth ministry. And, and that was an important part. But also an important part was, like you say, those moments of like, let's do shared silence. Let's do shared prayer in a different yeah. way. 
I, I always felt like that was the best way to actually get students to come because it's like when you're trying to be the fun person, you're trying to be more fun than drugs. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you which, said it. Which doesn't, which leads you to the crazy 90s stuff, you know, like you're like, this is outrageous. And you, you got to top it um, every time. But, like, oh, you have yeah. to top it every yeah. time. And yeah. it's like you're chasing that weird kind of high. Um, but I, I, Definitely found like I didn't grow numbers huge near the end, but I I was definitely like, Let, let's offer the thing that no one else is offering, which is like how to be quiet, how to like how to be okay with just sitting by yourself, how to um, be, yeah, like you know, just to be, yeah. how to you know, yeah. and I think I think that was, was helpful for a lot of my students too. Like I I would give talks about sleep. I'd be like, listen, Ooh. guys, like the most spiritual thing you can do is sleep. Mm. Like, and let's talk about that for a second. And, and that, you know, that's a different approach than what a lot of people were used to. Like, you're supposed to tell them, yeah, not to look at porn. Like, well, if I can get them asleep, then they probably won't look at porn when they're bored at 3 a.m. So mm -hmm. let's, you know, because their brain's not working right. Yeah, for sure. They might not have a porn problem. They might just, like, have a sleeping problem, and then their inhibitions are shot. Yeah. Different I think approaches are more important for sure. There was this really weird thing where we almost in ministry too treat it like as if children are a certain type of human that doesn't turn into a youth that doesn't turn into mm. a adult. And we're asking adults to participate in a church that we may never have prepared them to participate in, mm. to be part of the gathered body. Right. It's like, wait, you're, when you go to the big, Big church, as my youth used to call it, I don't want to go to big church because to them for a long time, it had been like youth group was fun, but big church was boring. And like because it didn't make sense or it didn't it didn't have all the sensory elements that, let's be honest, like all church should have. So I think you're right. There was this really neat time when we started having those conversations. So after that, after you were the director, sorry, we keep we're, we're on this trajectory together, guys. We're, yeah, we're kind of circling around. Um, so uh, yeah. in all this time that we were changing titles and our, my title was being changed, pastor went on sabbatical. And you know what happens after the, after sabbaticals? Pastor retires, resigns, mm -hmm. uh, that kind of thing. So it, I, was, I had been there one year and pastor leaves. We do not have an interim uh, pastor in place. So a lot of those responsibilities were put on me. So I had pretty minimal preaching experience outside of like small groups, like, you know, youth kind of stuff. And then at the emergent church, which is more of a conversation than a, than a sermon anyway, which it has its merits. I like, but, but so, so it was kind of filled in that gap and then, you know, nature abhors a vacuum and the power grab started happening in the church and you could kind of see which committee committees ran the church behind the doors, you know, uh, mm -hmm. behind those doors. And so though we didn't have any senior leadership in place, like the finance committee made the decision, well, we're going to have to fire half the staff and oh, then, but then told the personnel committee, well, you got to decide, you know, here's the number we need to get to you decide how it's going to be done so we can clear house before, you know, and, you know, again, our church, it was one of these older churches. It was a bloated like staff. The budget was, I get it, but the, the lack of any pastoral 
uh, imagination mm. or support in that time was really tough. And so they, I'm sure they pr- decided pretty much to let go of like, I think it was like every part-time ministry minister. So I kept my job. Well, strangely, like the men kept their jobs, but you know, now they have a woman pastor. Oh. So it's, I, I don't think it was necessarily that, but I mean, I'm sure there could be parts of that. But so, yeah, but anybody who was part-time, we had a senior adult minister. We had the youth minister. She was part-time. Um, they both, what do you, they didn't want to say the word fired, but you know, they, they were mm-hmm. asked to They leave. were released. Yeah. Yeah. Part of that. One, you know, since I was they in- They were called to another place. And mm. since I was in administration, we had a couple administrative people leave, like a communications person. And I said, well, let's just not have that job filled. So, you know, we didn't have to eliminate as many people that we eliminated positions, a janitor, uh, that kind of thing, <laughs> you know, just kind of anything they thought was low hanging fruit. And that transition did not go well when, you know, there were, and then there were, I, they, but then they called me um, after they made these cuts. Oh, you're taking over the youth ministry tomorrow. <laughs> so, you know, cause I mean, I was like 10% or 25% youth ministry. I was helping out, but now they said, Oh, you're taking over. So I knew at that point, my goal was to help these kids transition and heal, you know, cause it, they were very close to, to, to that youth leader. She had been there like probably 10 plus years, you know? Um, so, um, it was, it was just very tough. It, I mean, I was just like, I'd only been out in ministry for about a year then. So, um, or like, you know, ordained about a year, about a year then. Um, so yeah, I knew I wanted to leave that church. Um, but also wanted to kind of finish and we did some cool things, uh, in the process, but behind the scenes, the amount of conflict I had to deal with, I think I really kind of in some ways kind of shaped my ministry a lot after that, you know, Mm -hmm. in some ways, like help me deal with conflict uh, in the future. I've never had that level of conflict since, but, but yeah, it just, all your idealism, um, idealism about what the church is, what the church could be, that kind of get, it just gets, you're wounded, you know? And so that, that was really just, there's a lot of pain with that. And I had a lot of depression at the time and just kind of, kind of managing that. And then finally, you know, they called a new pastor. She's great. But I was, I had already needed to leave before then, you know, and we had another minister mm-hmm. on staff that he was part of that transition. He didn't get fired, but he left as well. Um, about a year before they called a new pastor. I stayed on about nine months after, and that was the first time I left ministry. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the first time. Yeah, See, that's yeah. the cliffhanger yeah. friends. Yeah. There it is. So I, our church was doing mission. A part of my job too, if I didn't say early was missions. So we did like, uh, (laughs) yeah, I mean, just what else, you know? So we, we hosted, our church had a gym. We were downtown church, but had a gym in the basement in one of the buildings. And so we hosted an emergency homeless shelter for like three years. And that was was a big part of that. And we also were doing like ESL tutoring at a, at a school nearby, like a kind of lower income school. So I, I thought, you know, I'd been tutoring there for a while in addition to, to um, serving at the church. And I said, you know, what if I do ESL teaching? And so I did like a, like a 15 month master's in that. And so, Whoa. Did, yeah, so got to also have a degree in teaching and, but to kind of fund my way through this, there was like a little UCC church that, uh, <laughs> 
that needed a pastor. UCC has funded yeah. a lot of uh, has funded a lot of advanced education. If we're yeah, well, honest, no, they, it's they, like they, a they, safe place. Yeah, yeah. Well, this was a church that had recently left the UCC. I didn't know at the time, but yeah. So, and then they kind of joined back later, but now they're no more. Uh, <laughs> rest in peace. But but yeah, I thought, yeah, I thought, you know, I could go do this. It was a small church. It was in the same county, but a little more suburban. And, you know, when I started, I think 40 people were there. And by the time I had finished my master's 15 months, we were down to, we had one Sunday. This was my daughter, my wife, and I made up seven people that were there on a Sunday. Oh, no. <laughs> so wow. I was also teaching at, at a school at the time. And I'll talk about this a little bit, but it's like a super low income school. And then you just see like poverty every day. And then you go to church and hear people complain about really dumb stuff. Yep. And I just remember like just how a disconnect it was in my life between, you know, the 20 hours a week I pastored and the 40 hours I, I taught or whatever. But so one time, like one of the teachers, they found out I was a pastor. I didn't broadcast it at the school, but so she came and visited us like during Advent one year. And the Monday I saw her at school and she's like, your church is dying. <laughs> like, and I, just the, I love that honesty so much. I said, no, nah, we're, uh, we're declining, <laughs> but they, you know, they, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we're dying. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I was like, what do I do? You know, I'm making whatever I'm making North Carolina teacher pay. I'm maybe making 20,000 pastoring by vocationally. So I was like, well, I could, maybe I can redeem myself or my call to ministry or whatever. So maybe I can uh, go into full-time ministry again. And I did. I, um, my family, we had been in Winston for Winston-Salem uh, for like 15 years or so. But then we moved to Northern Virginia and uh, did youth ministry again there. Really healthy church, awesome place. It was really healing for me in a lot of ways. But the grandparents didn't visit much. And so if you have kids, that's kind of tough. So that's when I took a call to like a small town pastorate that I just, that's where I recently left um, last year. So no more teaching. I, actually, last year I was still teaching part-time in the school system in our county while I was pastoring and stuff. Yeah. I think it's so interesting that um, you're a musician and also language, explaining language to people, because yeah. one of the things that I didn't realize actually until the guy I dated in seminary was really an incredible musician and he was also incredible at language. Mm -hmm. And then he was the first person to explain to me that it's the same part of the brain. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh, he's like, to me, wow. he's like, Sarah, to me, music is language. He's like, I, the, I just know a different language. Blew my mind. Yeah. I've also heard like language are good with memorizing numbers. I don't, that's, mm -hmm. I don't, that's helped me. I don't, patterns, I think something about that, but yeah. Yeah. Patterns and, um, especially people who get really good at language or being able to help other people understand English, hear it as a, as a noise, mm -hmm. which sounds funny, but sounds and yeah. how we translate that. And believe it or not, I think a lot of the skills that we need in teaching people a different language, go with me guys here, is church work, right? Like we're, we're explaining a different language, like youth, you're explaining a different way of looking at the world, which is a different language, a different way, a different lens and trying to explain it to culturally people who are like what the hell and sometimes it makes sense and sometimes it's a stretch but at least we we're using some of the same skill mm -hmm. a lot of translating yeah, those skills you know. cross over yeah yeah they cross over for sure so kyle before we take a break for commercials i'm doing it justin are you so proud of me um i am man so proud of you 
I know I've gotten really much better. Before we take a break for commercials, I would love to know what was the latest catalyst that was, you know, you, you said it was a, you moved back for family stuff. I did notice you said the last church, the church in Virginia was like a, was it West Virginia or Virginia? It, it was uh, Virginia. Yeah, yeah. Winchester, Virginia. Virginia. Yeah. Was a great healing situation. The one you came back to, was that still a healing situation? What was the catalyst for you um, hanging up the the old preacher robes? I don't know. I don't think you had robes. You're a Baptist, but. Occasionally. <laughs> oh, my favorite church holidays. I love it. Ash Wednesday. First Corinthians warned you about the women with a loud mouth, and this podcast is just that. Here at the Speaking in Church podcast, we talk all about the regular people and the things that regularly happen to them in the evangelical church. It's a podcast about change. It's a podcast about seeking moral high ground. And it's a podcast for people who are just trying to deconstruct on the safe side. You can listen wherever you get your podcast, and if you want to be a guest, yes, you, regular person, you can be a guest on the Speaking in Church podcast. If you want to come on, just let us know. All right, Kyle, it's time. It's time for you to tell us about the... Final. Well, currently, how you exited for this current exit and kind of what's happened since then. Sure thing. Uh, so my family moved about 30 minutes away from our family. We lived in, um, or we still live here, actually, now, uh, Mount Airy, North Carolina, um, a.k.a. Mount Mayberry. Airy. I know Mount Airy. <laughs> so, I know Mount so Airy. Yeah, it's total small town. Uh, it's kind of like going back in time. And... You know, the church I, I came to, I knew other pastors who had served there. It's a very healthy, moderate, rural church, you know. But having served mostly like First Baptist downtown churches, it's, it, it was culturally quite a jump, you know. But people were super kind, supportive, and everything. Um, I started there in August of 2019. And... Uh, you know, actually, and, then, and so I was there about six months, I think, when COVID hit, you know, so that was wild. But, I, you know, I, I was really proud of our church just being very responsible, I think, through the pandemic uh, compared to other places where that were like super spreader. Um. Yeah, you've already <laughs> said some things that have been shocking for me, Kyle. You said female pastor in a Baptist church, and then you're saying Baptist churches that were very uh, responsible sure. during COVID. I'm, I'm proud of it's possible, places right? you've been. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I, one thing I would say, like, maybe for other ministers who went through this as well, like, at first or that first year, it was like, it gives us a mission, you know, we're going to get through this, we're going to do our separation, going to do our Zoom church, whatever, meet outside, we did some outside worship services, which were fun, you know, and I was happened to also be in this program with my de denomination, ironically, entitled uh, Helping Pastors Thrive. <laughs> <laughs> so, by so, the way, yeah. Discord friends, you're not surprised how many of you have said in the Discord. It was after I went to this thing about thriving that I realized, oh shit, I'm not mm -hmm. thriving. Yeah. <laughs> thriving, thriving in ministry. Wait, wait, yeah. wait. Oh, so, so, oh, oh, I'm not. Wow. You know, so I'm in this program. I, we were going through the pandemic pretty well, but by the end of 2020, I was like, 
this program allowed us to go to this Catholic retreat center. It's like rural North Carolina, really awesome place. I love it. And I said, I'm going to go for two, three days, silent retreat. You know, I'll talk during meals or whatever to people. And they paid for it. Part of the program it was great. I read some Thomas Merton, uh, did re- you know, read some other things I like. And, you know, kind of usually when I get to the last day, and I did a few of these during, uh, I was about at that church for like three years, I think, before I stepped down. I started doing these retreats. And, you know, when you get silent, you really listen uh, to yourself or to God or, you know, um, whatever. And I remember after that first one, it was in that December of 2020. And I, it was like that last day. And I heard, what if you're not supposed to be a pastor? And mm. it wasn't like this audible voice, but it was like a real question presented right. to me, you know, uh, what if you're not supposed to be a pastor? And well, nothing was going wrong, you know, necessarily nothing was going wrong at the church, you know, but things were definitely going wrong with me it, inside of me, you know, had been for quite a while, mm-hmm. but I had just do the next program, go to the next church, do the next thing, keep pushing it off and not listen to that voice. And uh, that same program helping me thrive. They also had counseling uh, for, you know, or therapy for pastors or whatever. And so I got in with a, you know, it was like this really cool, like therapist, like it's kind of like mainline kind of guy, like older, but like just, you know, solid, you know, early 20th century theology kind of stuff, you know. But I remember like, and usually they say, what is it? The first day of counseling, like the first thing you say is what you really need to do. I don't know. I've heard that. But so I remember, I I remember the first thing is like, you know, I said, I don't think I'm supposed to be a pastor, (laughs) you know, and like, and then, you know, went from there and I was like in counseling with him, like for a year and a half working through all this, you know, and, you know, we, we went through some different things because my journey has been, you know, I grew up like super independent Baptist and then all the way at, you know, Baptist churches that have women pastors. So that's quite a journey already. You know, I didn't really like deconstruct like a lot of people are now. I just kept growing kind of, you know, I grew my way out the door. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like once. No. Yeah. It was just kind of like open to this new thing or this next relationship or this person or this idea and, you know, just keep building. So I, w- I was in that, but also, you know, you're going through all this internal stuff while you're trying to lead and manage. And, I, and you know, you feel that responsibility like as pastor, well, I don't want to leave my church in the middle of this pandemic thing. We got to get through it. Right. Um, and also uh-huh. didn't, didn't really, <laughs> didn't really know what to do next. And I, I think that's where a lot of our, you know, uh, folks that listen to this podcast are like, if you're on the edge, like, well, what do I do? When do I know? You know? Um, so I knew and how from- do I have enough energy? Yeah. yeah right. Like sure. if I'm in the midst of just trying to make this thing happen, I think why a lot of people were able to leave right after the pandemic was that all of a sudden there was um, margin, a little bit of margin yes. for you to like that silence. You said something beautiful on it. And my brain just has been, you know, it's only in the silence that we learn to listen. But mm-hmm. if you're doing church ministry where you're um, and other um, tasks as, as needed, uh, it's really hard to find margin. So you found this, space with a little bit of margin and now your vo- the voice you're hearing is saying things differently so yeah, yeah you're finally at this place like what what do i do next though right, right. but how do i figure out what's next um, and so so you know I, I continued there for a while i knew that i would i knew that was going to be the last church i served i just kind of had made that decision and I, I was open with that with a couple other pastor friends that kind of thing so 
one day I got a text from the same youth pastor who had originally hired me, the one who had been let go from that church. And she was like, you know, my, her husband's a lawyer. And so he's like, um, they're looking for a paralegal. Do you know anybody who might be interested? And I said, well, you know, I'm kind of open to anything right now. <laughs> and so <laughs> the whole like humor of it is like, she was the original person who hired me when I had no wow. connections in my denomination. And then now she tells me about this way to get out, out of ministry. So like not, that was not yeah. her intent by any means, but like it was I just love re that. really funny how that family has worked. But yeah, so, you know, I, I think different people are trying, they like, you know, try to make a list. I just knew this sounds good enough that it's what I need to do. The, you know, yeah. the, the pay was lateral benefits. I, I hadn't had benefits in quite a few years. So that was nice. But yeah, um, so I just felt like it was the right, there was never a perfect time, but it was the right time. And so that was 2022, you know, so I, I kind of had that realization like late 2020, didn't, okay. e didn't even resign until June of 2022, you know, so lived with it for a year and a half. And it sounds like it come, it came upon you. Did you feel, you know, you, you're very light about it now. You sound very like, oh yeah. But in that time, did it feel light? Did it feel like, did you feel any sense of, I need to know what's next? I need to start working on the thing. Or did you feel as light as you sound now? <laughs> yeah. Well, like, I mean, I still feel that way in, in to an extent now, but like, I okay. felt, but like, I felt like, cause I have no idea where, like, I know what I love, you know, but I, I how to pay the bills is a different thing. Um, so <laughs> yeah, as you guys can attest to, so, I, I think some of the heaviness now is like, well, what's next, but I achieved what I needed was I needed something to help me step away and to do it in a more mm. final way. So it didn't have to be, yeah. so I've already like, I've been where I'm at, at for a year. It's, it's okay. You know, not great, not bad. Okay. okay. But All right. it gave me what I needed to step away when I was in it though. Like it was, it was very heavy and you're trying to preach from this place to, you know, up there. Yeah. Do they see it on my face? Do they know that like, do they know I'm dying inside and need to leave? Do they, you know, and I think some people have a really good relationship with in their congregation, but I just felt like, you, who do you talk to it? You know, inside your church mm -hmm. about that, you know, it's tough. So you kind of give up this public face of leading and again, there was no like, I mean, there were like minor things. And I mean, part of the other thing that I think like I heard, I've always felt like in church, like I could never like as an artist be fully me, you know, to, to, mm. and even like, it's not like I'm doing like parental advisory <laughs> explicit stuff, but you know, if I want to write something from a place of whatever, if I want to write about anything like doubt, I, yeah, doubt, like yeah. I hear in your lyrics, some doubt, I hear oh, it's everywhere. Lyrics. Like, I, I don't know, is probably the refrain that comes up in a lot of my mm -hmm. songs. And, and I, I love that. Right. Know? And I don't know is not a great. <laughs> I mean, it's a great sermon. I love it. Yeah. But it's not a popular sermon. No, topic. no. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's what's well, funny. Like all the pastors in the room are like, yeah, this is a great <laughs> sermon, but people in the congregation are like, excuse me. I came here to not doubt anymore. Right. <laughs> like give me my shot of certainty so I can go about my week. Yeah. I don't need yeah. to hear about your doubts. Yeah. Um, that, and that's church culture just in the United States in a lot of ways. Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, I, and I get that. And I think some of that's people's personality temperament. They want more like a tidy box. 
oftentimes yeah. that that's the same personality that thrives as church members, you know? Oh, so, yeah, sure. you know, and they give and they support and they're loyalists and, and that's great, you know, but I, I think there was always that kind of in the background. It, it wasn't this kind of like, you know, you know, how do I bring what I need to bring into the world? And I think all of us are in an of, honest way. Yeah. In an honest way. That's authentic. Not heard, editing. No. And I, I felt like I was editing all the time. Just like some weeks you just don't have anything to say you really like literally nothing you know but you have to so you do your best well as you are in this thing that you say is kind of like your do you feel like what you're doing right now as a paralegal is a stepping stone is it a healing place do you have any idea what it means for you or is it just kind of a place to catch your breath what are you thinking yeah I'm, i'm kind of seeing it like as a a waiting space but i don't have like a timeline mm. you know um but it's it's been good for me like i've like i always had a little bit of pushback for churches if i like played bars and things like that because my name's on it you know that kind of thing so now i'm free to do that whatever you know and have community of songwriters and that kind of thing we do a thing every month and that's been really good and we're helpful to each other uh, what kind of a thing do you do every month? That's, so that sounds really neat. It's this uh, friend of mine, Evan. He um, He's a songwriter. He probably plays a little bit more because he lost his job in the pandemic and just started playing music uh, all the time. So uh, that kind of thing. But yeah, he, it's just a way for um, different songwriters. Most of this group has been mostly guys, but you know, there's, uh, there's a few different ones of these in our community. Some One is like a women exclusive thing that's really cool. Uh, but this one, we mostly play in High Point, North Carolina, uh, this little brewery and just get together. It's mostly songwriters. We just share what we've been writing, encourage each other, give each other advice, share stories, check in with each other. It's good. That sounds like church and yeah. sounds really, really mm-hmm. lovely. That's great. <laughs> um, Kyle, if you could give one piece of advice for people who are like, just imagine Kyle when you're in that, should I stay or should I go moment? You're this creative person and you and you feel the sense like if I were to just jump into my creative work, that's not going to be able to support my family. And that's important to me as being part of that. What would you say is like your one piece of advice if you think back to Kyle back then or even as you hear folks in the discord, like what what would your yeah, what would your piece of advice for folks be? I, I really say trust your gut. And OK, I, I I've known that for a long time, but it, it took me you get to, I think you get to a breaking point where you just finally realize, Hey, I can trust myself. It's okay. And so I just encourage anybody, you know, what's speaking within you. It could be to stay, it could be to go, I don't know, but it could be to lead in a different way, but just to trust that voice. Oh, I love that. Thank you, Kyle. Is there anything else that you want to make sure to share with us? And then please share how people can find your music and um, find what you're doing now. Yeah, you can find me on on the gram you can find the other places of the web but it's uh <laughs> at kyle coddle on instagram you have a link tree and spell coddle c-a-u-d-l-e it will also be in the title yeah. of this podcast episode yes yes it will so, yeah <laughs> Great so point. yeah check out i have a just released a song called lights i have another song i'll be re-releasing next week or i don't know when this comes out but Jan- uh, june 27th i'll be releasing another song have an ep coming out later this year and more after that so well kyle thank you so much for um sharing your story for for sharing like a, a story that didn't have as much you know trauma sometimes people feel like they can't share stories with us unless it's really traumatic but it's really relatable 
Um, So thank you for being willing to hop on here and chat with us. So thanks for joining us, friends. Thanks for listening to another episode of Recovery. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. If you are enjoying the conversations you hear on RevCovery, you can continue the conversation with us and many more incredible people in the RevCovery room on Discord. To access our Discord, please join our Patreon to become part of the RevCovery room community. You can join for as little as $4 a month, and this helps us produce the show, as well as gives you access to the community resources. Check it out at www.patreon.com RevCovery. We know that not everyone is able to financially support the show, but there are lots of ways to support us, including giving us a five-star review wherever you're listening right now. And make sure to like and subscribe across all social media. Recovery Room is our Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook handle, so you can find us there to keep the conversation going. Now on to some final thoughts and this week's poem. Friends, as always, thanks for sticking around for another episode of Recovery. At the end, we always like to have some sort of poem or some sort of quote or something that sort of inspired us um, as we uh, spoke through the episode or as we listened to the episode. So this week, this is unique. I'm going to use the song lyrics that Kyle actually wrote himself in his song, Lights. Um, He talked a little bit about how he's been exploring this idea of not knowing um, for the first time in a different way now that he feels like his lyrics are a little more authentically him. So this is from his song, Lights. Endless lights for eyes to see. Sometimes the shadows color in between. Oh, the wonder it would be to be lost for a while, my love. Friends, I know that in this journey of recovery, it can feel like we are often lost, but sometimes we need the shadows in order for us to be able to see. So have a great week and we look forward to talking to you soon. First Corinthians warned you about the women with a loud mouth, and this podcast is just that. Here at the Speaking in Church podcast, we talk all about the regular people and the things that regularly happen to them in the evangelical church. It's a podcast about change. It's a podcast about seeking moral high ground. And it's a podcast for people who are just trying to deconstruct on the safe side. You can listen wherever you get your podcast, And if you want to be a guest, yes, you, regular person, you can be a guest on the Speaking in Church podcast. If you want to come on, just let us know.